Okay, we're in chapter 9, and we got up to verse 22, and right in the middle of uh, Yehu's wild ride, he's driving like a madman, as the verse says, like a meshuga, towards the king of Israel. And the name of the king of Israel is Yoram, the son of Ahab. And Yehu has been anointed as the new king. He's freshly minted king. That's why nobody really knows he's the king yet. So he's got the element of surprise because he has been given a charge to wipe out the house of Ahab. And that starts with Yoram. And he's on his way to Yoram to begin the purge. Now Yoram has no idea that Yehu's been anointed to wipe him out. He thinks that this is his military commander coming towards him, maybe to give him some news on the front lines, what's going on in the north there. So Yoram's uh, watchman, when they see Yehu coming, uh, Yoram sends messages towards Yehu. But the messages don't return. One messenger doesn't return. The next one stays with Yehu, doesn't return. So Yoram now knows at this point that something is up. So he mounts his horse, approaches Yehu, and he asks uh, Yehu, Shalom Yehu, is everything okay, Yehu? And listen to what Yehu answers here. Vayomer, Ma Shalom How can there be peace with the harlotries of Jezebel, your mother, and her numerous sorceries? So Yehu just rips into Yoram. Boom! And we looked at the contrast in how Yehu approaches the king, the kings of Israel and how Yoshaphat did. Yoshaphat, the righteous king of Yehuda, was buddy-buddy with Yoram and Achav. Kamoni kamocha, ami kamecha, I am like you, my nation is yours, susai susecha, my horses are your horses. And that was not the right approach. Hashem is now bringing us the correction here, the tikkun, for Ye- and what Yehu does. The first thing he does, he calls them out on their sins, on their evil. So, that's the big contrast here, and that's what Yehu has been anointed to do. So Yoram knows he's in big trouble. So what happens now, Yoram, in verse 23? So it says he turned his hands. That means he's going to want, he wants to do a 180. He's not ready for a battle. I mean, he's been recuperating from his injuries sustained in war. He didn't go out in his armor or anything. He's got no shot. He wants to run. He's going to flee. So he turns his hands to make a U-turn. And... And while he's doing that, he yells that to Achaziyahu, Mirma Achaziyahu. Remember, Achaziyahu, he's along for the ride. The king of Judea was visiting Yoram. Achaziyahu was the king of Judea. And he was visiting his buddy Yoram, his Mishpacha, two kings, right? He was playing, paying him a Bikur Cholim visit, visiting the sick. And he went out with Yoram to the field to meet Yehu. And Yoram obviously feels responsible for his guest's safety. So he says, Achaziah, get out of there. It's a mirma. So they don't use the word treachery or rebellion. They use mirma, which means like a trick. Because it's a trick that Yehu was kind of tricking them because they had no, they had no idea you know, what he was about to do until now. So it says mirma, Achaziah. So Yoram is fleeing, and it says in verse 24, So Yehu pulled back his arm with all his strength. Bakeshit. He pulled back that arrow, that bow and arrow. Vayachet Yoram ben Zroav. And he smote, or the arrow hit Yoram between his arms. And the chetz, the, the arrow protruded from his heart. And he felt, and he uh, fell to his knees in his chariot. And that's how Yoram dies. He was fleeing him. 
Yoram here is shooting him from the back, in the back. It hit him between the arms, which means through the, the shoulder blades, and it protruded through his heart. So, in case you might feel sorry for Yoram, you have to remember what Yoram's all about. He's not a righteous king, and he's got it coming to him. And that's why Chazal step in here. And this is a, uh, something from Midrash Rabbah, Exodus, in Exodus Rabbah, in 31. And it's they bring the, uh, the halacha about the prohibition in lending money with interest. You're not allowed to lend money with interest. It's a big, big avera. You're allowed to lend money. It's a big mitzvah to lend money and help out a fellow Jew. But if you take a penny of interest, you are uh, over on a doraita, and a Torah sin. And then they bring up Yoram. That Yoram, that's what he did. When did he lend money with interest? Well, remember that story five chapters ago? They talked about the widow of the prophet. It was in chapter, the beginning of chapter four. Five chapters ago, we had a story of the widow of the prophet, the widower, and she had a debt, and the loan sharkers were coming to take her debt. The creditors, they're going to take her sons. And then Elisha did a miracle for her with the oil. Well, the Midrash says, who was lending her money with interest that the loan sharks are coming after her now and she can't pay it up? It was Yoram. Because this widower, she was this widow of a prophet. That's what the verse says. And her husband was Avadia. Avadia since passed away. But remember Avadia was sustaining the hundred prophets in the caves because Jezebel was murdering the prophets. So he was hiding out a hundred prophets in these caves, giving them bread and water. Well, where did he get that those resources to feed them, he got it from Yoram. Because at the time, Yoram was the prince. Ahab was the king. Yoram was in the palace there. And he was lending money to Avadi with interest. And now, he wanted, um, in, in our story here in chapter 4 with the widower, he wants this woman to pay up. Pay up your debt. So these, these are kings, they've been exploiting their people here. The story with Navot and his vineyard, and now we have this story here. And listen what they say in the Midrash. Because of what Yoram did, Yavo Yehu, let Yehu come along. And then they bring our verse. Mila Yoram ben He pulled back his arrow and shattered between the arms. Why in the arms? Because Yoram reached his arms out to take interest. And why did it protrude through his heart? Because Yoram. Hardened his heart. Hekshet libo. He hardened his heart towards his widow. So what, what Chazal's trying to remind us here is that don't feel sorry you know, for what happened to Yoram. He's running away and Yehu's shooting him from behind. You could feel sorry for them. Wow, is that the way for a king of Israel to go down? But you got to look at the, hit, at, the, at the history here. It doesn't start now. There's a whole, there's four generations of exploitation and evil of these kings and that's what the Midrash is trying to straighten us up, uh, up about that. And a lot of times we're going to see Yehu throughout now going forward doing some pretty savage acts here. But you got to remember that in many ways, these evil, this evil dynasty of Omri and Ahab and Yoram, they had to come into them. Okay, so what does it say now at the end of verse 24? It says, So when he got hit with the arrow, he fell to his knees in his chariot. And that's how he died. And that's reminiscent of his father Ahab, who also, it says, fell to his knees in his chariot. But that was a different scenario. Ahab, his father, went out like a mighty hero. He was fighting against Aram. 
and he was struck inadvertently by an arrow, and he was wounded, and he propped himself up as not to demoralize his uh, his people in that war, and he bled to death as he uh, didn't let on that he was wounded, and in the end he uh, died in his chariot, the same way he kind of fell to his knees and collapsed. Here his son Yoram is falling to his knees, but here he's not fighting a war, he's running away in his pajamas from Yehu. So now let's see now verse 25. Vyomer el bitkar shalishav. Now, and this is going to be a very interesting two verses here. We're going to try to try to uh, keep concentrating here because this is very fascinating. Now, what's about to happen? It says to bitkar his his officer. What do, what what should we do with the body of Yoram? Okay, this is what we should do. Sava shlichel de navoti Israeli. Pick him up. Pick up his body. And throw it into the territory of the field of Navot, the Israelite. Why? They want to move the body and bring it to the, the plot of Navot. Why? Because remember, we were riding, the two of us, this is what Yehu was saying to his friend Bitkar, we were both riding together. Remember we were riding after his, behind his father, Ahab? And Hashem pronounced the following prophecy. What was the prophecy we heard back then 15 years ago? Did I not see the blood of Navot and the blood of his children last night? This is what we heard. We heard Elijah say that. That Hashem said to Achav, I, that I saw the blood of Navot and the blood of his children. You don't think I saw what you did? And therefore, what does it say? And Elijah said then, this is back in chapter 21, Elijah said to Achav back then, I will repay you in this plot. But Makom, that was the word, but in the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Navot, the dogs didn't lick up your blood as well. That's what Hashem said to Elijah, and Elijah relayed that to Achav. And therefore, Yehu was there. So he says now to Bitkar, so we heard that prophecy. So so pick him up and throw him into this plot according to the word of the Lord. So you got to understand what's happening. It's very fascinating and something important uh, lesson here. That, again, we're, we're referring to something that happened 15 years ago. And Yehu was witness to it. That Elijah reproofed uh, Ahab, who had just murdered Navot and was coming to possess the field and then Ahab was given this prophecy by Elijah, you murdered and she'll inherit as well. So in the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Navot, because Navot was stoned and there was blood, and dogs licked up his blood, well, in that same place, your blood will be licked as well. So Yehu heard that. So now, we fast forward to now, and instead of Ahav being the one who's going to have his uh, blood licked up by the dog. It's going to be his son Yoram because Achav did tshuva, right? So he delayed the prophecy. So what's happening? Yehu now is saying, let's make this prophecy happen. Obviously, Yoram's body didn't fall exactly in the spot that prophet said it would fall. So let's bring it over there. Let's bring his body to the the uh, area, to the field of Devot, the Israelite. And we're going to fulfill the prophecy of Elijah. And that's fascinating because our, our fathers, you know, are the heroes in the Bible, if you look at the characters in the Bible, the tzaddikim, 
they didn't view prophecy as something bishamayim, you know, something in the heavens far from us that we just kind of passively sit by. But it's something that we make the prophecy happen. We have the responsibility to make it happen. So Yehu feels the responsibility to make Elijah's prophecy come to fruition. He doesn't have Ahab to do it to, so he'll do it to his son. We, it didn't fall in the plot of Navot. We'll bring it to the plot of Navot. It's up to us to make it happen. And that has implications when we talk about the temple, about how it's going to be built. We, people have a, uh, some kind of a shkafa where you know you sit and you wait or the Mashiach is going to take us to, to, from Chutzlar, it's the Eretz No, no. You got to uh, be the one doing it and be active in it. And so that's really a fascinating lesson we get from that. Now, okay, so let's go to now verse 27. Now remember Chaziyahu, He's there. He's at the wrong place at the wrong time, okay? And he is going to um, flee. I mean, he sees Yehu is going to go after him as well because Yehu is going to now going to kill two kings in one shot. And Yehu would not have went after Achaziah probably if Achaziah was in Yerushalayim. But since Achaziah was there anyway, he knows uh, Yehu is going to go after him. So it's he started to run. And he said the following, what happened to the king of Judah? So he fled by the way of the garden house and Yehu pursued him. And he said, strike him too in his chariot. So Yehu gives the command to knock off King Ahaziyahu, the king of Judea. Imagine that Yehu in three verses has killed two kings, the king of Israel and the king of Judea. Just like that. And that's what happened. They struck him where they strike him, they give a place, a geographical area, but Malot Agur, Malot Gur, in the uh, ascent of the hill of Gur, which is near Yivlaam, and it says, Vayanas Megiddo Vayamacham, and then um, Achaziah fled to Megiddo, obviously he wasn't killed right away, he was wounded at the beginning, he fled to Megiddo, Vayamacham, and he died there. Now if you go to um, Chronicles, Remember, Chronicles always elaborates on the kings of Judea, and it elaborates as well on Chaziyahu, and there it adds a couple of stops, pit stops for Chaziyahu, that he obviously uh, was not killed so quickly, he was wounded, and went the next place and hid from Yehu, obviously, because there it adds like he was in the Shomron. He was wounded in the Shomron. Here it doesn't mention anything about the Shomron, but in any case, we have two dead kings, the king of uh, Yehuda now, and Yoram, the king of Israel. Okay, so it says now in verse 28, So what happened? It says they, the servants carried him in a chariot to Jerusalem. That is a Chaziyahu. He's a king of Yehuda. His place is in Jerusalem. And they carry him to Jerusalem and they buried him in his grave in Ir David. So he gets a burial. He's a king of Judea in the city of David. And then they tell us uh, some more information. Since we're wrapping up the king of Chaziyahu, they tell us that he ruled in the 11th year of Yoram. He became the king of Judea. So Yehu is now, as we mentioned, just knocked off the king of Judea and the king of Israel. It's pretty amazing. Um, the only acting king now in Israel is Yehu. He's the undisputed king. But he has been charged to wipe out the entire house of Ahab. And he's going to do that. But first, he's going to go to Jezebel that's his next stop. And we're going to see what happens when Yehu confronts that wicked witch Jezebel in our next Shior.